Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. So glad you could be with us for this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. But this week we also have with us Sandra Tanner, the founder and director of the Utah Lighthouse Ministry in Salt Lake City, as well as her biographer, and that would be Dr. Ronald Huggins. And Ron has come out with a book that should be available very soon, and it's titled Lighthouse. Gerald and Sandra Tanner, Despised and Beloved Critics of Mormonism. And we were talking about how appropriate that title is because, Sandra, I guess that really does describe your ministry with your husband, Gerald, over the years. Now, we should mention that Gerald passed away in October of 2006. He's been gone for a long time, and you've carried on the work. And um, I remember talking to you many years ago, you were hinting about retiring, and I kept saying, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And I guess I wasn't the only one that was encouraging her to keep going on. And certainly, as I've mentioned in these past couple of shows, we have all benefited from what you have done. There was something that Ron wrote in the book that was just a very short sentence, and I think it's important to talk about. You were very serious about your LDS faith. Yes. The reason I say that is because I have come across Latter-day Saints who just want to blow off anybody's research or any efforts at evangelism by saying, oh, well, those people really weren't Mormons. They really weren't Mormons. I remember one guy in particular that we both knew, Eric and I both knew in San Diego, and he he talked about a lot of these ex-Mormons who were critical of Mormonism that they really didn't know what they were talking about. I don't think that would apply to you. So tell us a little bit about the zeal that you had for your LDS faith and probably why it was a little difficult when you started coming across a lot of these things that were starting to shatter that faith. Well, I grew up in a home where my parents were married in the temple but had uh, become less active as I was a teen. And so my attendance at church was strictly my decision Uh, I don't think my parents would have said anything had I chosen to not attend. I think they would have been upset if I started going to another church, but I don't think they would have cared if I became inactive. So I was totally active, and it was my choice to do that. I wanted to go to seminary, which met at 6 in the morning, and my dad hated to get up so early to take me, So as soon as I turned 16, he bought me a car so I could drive myself to seminary. But I didn't have to go to seminary. It was strictly my choice. And I graduated from seminary so that in the 12th grade, rather than taking another year of seminary after I'd already had my certificate of graduation, I started attending the Mormon Institute of Religion, which is their college-level religious educational classes they have that are usually off-campus At most major universities, they will have a Mormon Institute of Religion where they teach their religious classes. So I started that in 12th grade, but that was because my mother had started having questions about Mormonism. 
And she set me up at times to go ask questions at church about things that were disturbing her. I went to different people at the church to ask questions about what my mom brought up. And they would just put me off with, well, when you're older, you'll understand. When you go through the temple, you'll understand. That's a mystery, and God hasn't chosen to reveal that to us as yet. So everything was just put off. And then when I started in these institute classes, things would come up that my mom had mentioned. And so I'd start asking questions in those classes. I'd asked in seminary, got nowhere. But now I'm in institute. It's supposed to be college-level stuff. And one day the teacher took me aside and he said, Sandra, you've got to quit asking questions in class. You're disturbing a girl that's thinking of joining the church. And that disturbed me because I thought, well, wait a minute, I've been waiting several years now to get the big answers. And and here I am, and you still are telling me. Uh, you'll understand later on. Um, Can I interrupt you yeah. right there? Because if I remember correctly, Ron, in the book, when you were told that by the teacher about this student, weren't you driving that student to the oh, class? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you had a personal relationship with that individual. I knew this girl. Yes, I was taking her to the classes. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of funny when they brought her up. Uh, and I don't know what finally happened to her, whether she joined or not. But in my home, the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon was emphasized by my dad now I was never in a home where we we didn't have family home evening it was more relaxed than most Mormon homes but I was raised with a firm belief that the Book of Mormon was true because I had a my dad's uncle Jim Washburn here in Salt Lake had one of the largest Indian collections in the nation private in his home I mean several rooms of his house was full of Indian artifacts so I just knew the Book of Mormon was true. I didn't need to pray about it. I'd seen all the artifacts, you know. <laughs> mm. uh, so those had not been questions for me at the time. But my mom was asking questions about other things in the Book of Mormon. And that was in God's providence then that I ended up coming to Salt Lake with my grandma. And she introduced me to Gerald, who was asking the same questions as my mom, which started a whole lifetime of research <laughs> But both Gerald and I took our Mormon faith serious when we were entering adulthood. Is this the right course for our lives? Do we really believe Mormonism enough as adults to support this and go forward uh, with the testimony and all? And our research rocked us when we started finding the problem areas of Mormonism, which was the beginning of a lifetime of research on the history of Mormonism. Now, Ron, in the book since it is a story about the Tanners and what the Tanners have done, you have a lot of photographs in here. I was impressed by the pictures, by the way. Tell us a little bit about that. They're in black and white, and you had to get permission for some of those photos to be included in there? Yes. Um, happily, the, I was able to get permission of, from the church for some of her relatives. I mean, she had some pictures of, of them, but... They had some really good pictures, so I was very pleased that they granted permission. So, for example, Marianne Angel and uh, I think Brigham Young Jr.'s wife is in there. and That'd be Abigail? Abigail, mm -hmm. right. And so they wanted to put them in just a central section, and, and I was able to get them to, to agree to intersperse them. Uh, again, there's probably about half of the pictures are in there that I 
I gave them, uh, got from various places, mostly from Sandra. Yeah. And uh, happily, they picked, I think, a very good selection. Let me read a portion from page 26, where you write, Brigham and Marianne Young named their first son Joseph, who was born in 1834, after the Mormon prophet, and their second son, Brigham Jr., who was born in 1836. Brigham Sr. and Marianne both outlived their first son, Joseph, making Brigham Jr., Sandra's great-grandfather, their eldest living son when they both died. At the age of 51, Brigham Jr. married Sandra's great-grandmother, Abigail Abby Stevens, then 17. I wonder if people are going to pay close attention to some of these ages here, because that always stands out with me, how a lot of these leaders in the church during the time of polygamy were very up in age and marrying these very young girls. This would be one of those cases. Abby bore seven children to Brigham Young Jr. Abby lived until December of 1954 when Sandra was 13 years old. Sandra remembers as a small child visiting her great-grandmother who used to entertain her by crafting small dolls made by rolling up wads of cotton in a handkerchief and then creating a head, hands, and feet by tying it up in sections with thread. Sandra, your conversations with your great-grandmother, Abby... Take some time and tell us a little bit about some of those conversations. What, what could she tell you? I'm sure there, was, there would probably be a lot that she could say. Visiting Abby was a faith-promoting experience. She was all about uh, lauding the beauty of Mormonism, positive stories of the family, and telling how God protects those who continue to serve God and are faithful to him. So one of her stories was how she was part of God's effort to protect Brigham Jr. from being arrested. Of course, this would have been being arrested because he was living polygamy when the government was uh, passing laws against it, and the federal marshals were trying to arrest all the Mormon leaders. So she would tell stories of how God protected her husband, Brigham Jr., when federal marshals came looking for him. He was at her house, and they had received advance warning that the marshals were in town. So she told him to quick get in her bed clothes and act like he was uh, real sick and shaking and whatever. So the marshal comes and wants to search the house for Brigham, and she says, sure, come on in. Just don't disturb my poor mother who's <laughs> very sick in bed. So they search the house. They don't find him, and they leave. And hurrah, hurrah, God has saved the apostles of Jesus Christ who are faithful to serve their covenants. <laughs> it never occurred to me when she's telling this that, well, yeah, but he's breaking the law, and it's the federal marshals that are coming after him. You know, this isn't just the local vigilante group trying to strike it out against Christians or something. I mean, this is a guy knowingly breaking the law. But that's the way it was in Mormonism. All the faith-promoting stories were so one-sided that all efforts against Mormonism were painted as from wicked, evil, conniving people that were seeking to destroy God's true church. And I never had a context of why the Mormons were forced out of all these cities, why they were always in trouble with the law. I never knew why Joseph was killed in jail. Why is he in jail? You know, all these different stories. So that when Gerald and I started to study Mormon history, you suddenly start to see, well, wait a minute, there's another side to this story. There are reasons people were upset with the Mormons. That was a whole new thought when we started our research. 
Now, it says on page 29, after Brigham Jr. died in 1903, Abby, a widow with seven children at age 33, and then she attends nursing school to make ends meet. So the young family didn't take over and help her out. We always hear about polygamy as well, that it's just a means of helping out these women. So Brigham Young, who I'm sure had the wealth to take care of a lot of these family members, there was no effort on his part to help out or anything like that. Well, in early Mormonism, many of the plural wives were sort of left to their own devices. The husband would have them on a farm somewhere. And we know from like Brigham Young Sr., he talks about visiting his wives like once a year or something, and then some more than others, and some didn't deserve his visit, so he might not see them for years at a time. You see this sort of stuff and you think, well, wait a minute. It sounds like you're just abandoning these women, sticking them all over the place at different farms or whatever. And, and, you know, it's up to you now to make a living. I don't know how much Abby would have ever seen of uh, support money, but it sounds like she was pretty much independent and had to go find a way to support herself. We've been talking to Sandra Tanner and Dr. Ronald Huggins. Ron is the author of the book Lighthouse, Gerald and Sandra Tanner, Despised and Beloved Critics of Mormonism. Order it directly from Utah Lighthouse Ministry, and that is at utlm.org. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.